Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, and this podcast is all about helping our church, Sacred City Church, follow Jesus in the ordinary, normal, daily rhythms of life. And uh, occasionally on this podcast, we um, interrupt our weekly, what we kind of call our air war meeting, is where we sit down, uh, some of our residents, some of our pastoral staff, and, uh, and just talk about the sermon basically every single week. Uh, Monday, we say, all right, what worked, what didn't work, how was the ser- sermon received? And so, uh, and then we kind of expand upon it. We call this segment uh, Beyond the Sermon. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, yesterday, um, so we were recording this on Monday. Yesterday, I preached a sermon titled um, A God-Sized Vision for the Quad Cities. Really just looking forward, asking God uh, what he might want us to do in the next decade, the next 20, the next 30 years. And so um, felt like I heard from the Lord on that, got a little bit of clarity, and so delivered that yesterday. If you haven't heard that, you can go to our Sacred City um, Church podcast and you can find that, Sacred City Davenport. Uh, But Today, I've got uh, my deacon of youth with me, Alex Tate. How's it going, guys? Deacon of worship, Joel Bickford. Hello. And my pastoral assistant, Kevin Knorr. Hey, guys. So, men, uh, thoughts on the sermon yesterday? First one back, by the way. First one back in five weeks. My throat felt it yesterday. Yeah. It was a busy Sunday, too. Mm -hmm. Lots going on with Kenya. That was cool to hear, too. Mm -hmm. That was cool. Yeah, just an initial thought for me is I I like that, you know, usually we get a, a little recap at the beginning of the year, what what happened in the previous year, maybe where we're going. Um, but this felt a little bigger, obviously, a, uh, a lot bigger. Uh, I think you kind of said in pre-service prayer and just the, the little bit of trepidation to put something out there as far as a vision um, but putting all of our confidence in God to see it accomplished, um, I feel like if you uh, aim at nothing, you'll hit it every single time. So I, I just I, I like the uh, casting of the vision first and foremost, just getting it out there and get my imagination going for what God can do um, in the next couple decades. I think just starting off, I thought you're just going to come back with this massive bang and you're just going to go on for about two hours about, you know, just because you don't read a lot, you're rested. And then you came in and you said, we're going to wait, worship and work. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was going to be, you know, 10 years. All right. The next 10 years, it's going to be like this, you know, but you said, wait, worship and work. And uh, to just hear that, I thought it was really good because. As you were saying, that guy was just speaking to me like, am I being impatient? Are we are we waiting? Um, are we actually worshiping in the process? And what can you do to, you know, be a part of, you know, the movement here in the city? So I thought that was, I thought it was good. Mm. Yeah, and um, like these guys are saying, I think I was kind of expecting more of a, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. And it was, it was really cool to, I mean, leave it open, um, to, to call our people to actually step into that 
mm. and take ownership of that and be part of that vision. Yeah. Given kind of uh, the broad categories, education, art, politics, and all that, and then just leaving room for the spirit instead of saying, I want you guys to do this and you guys to do that. That was really cool. Mm. And I'm happy we're just doing Beyond the Sermon on this because you're talking about just passing the baton throughout your sermon and um, raising our kids up in the Lord. And I just want you to just expand on that, you know, more to what it looks like and what God has been telling you um, from the past 10 years and looking forward to the next 10 years. Well, I don't want this to turn in. I think we need to do a, a whole separate podcast on reflecting back over 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I don't want this to be that. But there's one one lesson I've learned is um, I don't know what God wants to do. <laughs> you know, overall, like, I can't just say, you do this, you do that, mm-hmm. we're going to do this, we're going to do that. All I can do is trust the Lord and do what he's called me to do today. Yeah. And then, and it usually takes, a, a, he accomplishes something that I'm like, clearly like, that's a God thing, but I couldn't have made it happen. I couldn't have pre-planned it. You know what right. I mean? If you can pre-plan it, I don't think it's of God more than likely. It's, it's, it's you're managing it, you're marketing it, you're, you're pushing your agenda. Mm-hmm. So... I can see some kind of like big, broad strokes. And um, and I think, I don't know what the quote is. I'll probably butcher it here. But it's something like most people overestimate what they can accomplish in a year, but then underestimate what they can accomplish in 10 years. Yeah. And that's definitely been true of the first 10 years of Sacred City. Um, you know, year over year, you're kind of like, are we accomplishing yeah. anything? It feels like the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then, like, ten years later, you look back and you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, we were doing something. Yeah. <laughs> God was working. Yeah, amazing, you know? So, on the, the Patan piece, the, that's something that has always been a part of our vision. But I think because we're such a young church... You're not really thinking about that too much when you got two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds. Mm. But just by nature, I've got, you know, a 14-year-old now. Yeah. And I've got an 11-year-old now. And I'm starting to see how God's gifted them, and I'm starting to see their interests. And I'm like, this is their church, too, yeah. you know? And I'm, I'm raising my son to be an elder in the church. I don't care what he does for a living. I don't care if he's a banker or if he's wants to be a past, you know, wants to be, a, you know, like a church planter or something or a worship leader or, you know, whatever. But I'm raising him to be a lay elder, you know, in, in character and wisdom. And mm-hmm. I want him to desire to lead in the church, you know, and I want my daughters to desire to serve in the church as well and to be a part of missional community. So I'm, I'm just more. Um, and then I've also seen how, the desire to reach outsiders can backfire in the church's own kids. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you actually lose your own kids while you're trying to reach the lost. Yeah. Um, yeah. That point felt eye opening to me. Um, how there's a mission ground and a mission field right inside my own home with these kids that, 
God's given me and the responsibility that I have to my family to, to raise them in a manner that, you know, trains them for and, and gives them a palette for kingdom purposes. Um, my thoughts can usually go to my neighbor or, you know, that, that other person that I'm on mission to, quote unquote. And yeah, that was an interesting point there. The other thing, kind of right at the beginning of the sermon, bringing up the Augustine, the two cities, comparing and contrasting the city of God and the city of man. And I'm trying to remember the language he used, but that living for the city of man to the contempt of God or living to the city of God to the the contempt of your own self, which I felt like was actually a really pointed word just seeing how right now culturally it's everything is about the self and how Mm -hmm. God is calling us to lay aside ourself for his glory. Um, Great call. Yeah, that was a great call there. Yeah, two cities have been formed by two loves. One at the one, um, the love of self at the center to the contempt of God, and one with the love of God at the center to the contempt of the self. Mm -hmm. One tries to glory in itself and tries to lift its own head. The other, our glory is in the Lord, and He is the lifter of our head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's that self-centered religion might be, I mean, it's definitely the number one narrative in our culture holistically, but it might be the number one false gospel that's being propagated yeah, in the church right now. Yeah. Um, just conveniently, you know, never preach, take up your own cross and follow me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and die to yourself. Yeah. That's the hardest part. <laughs> yeah. That's hard. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a Christianity, cheap grace, Christianity with no cross. And so I'm wanting to prepare our people too. The, the weight piece, and I, and I went to some Old Testament prophets because I wanted to, yeah. I don't want it too many times when we cast vision, especially in the last 20 or 30 years, it's like this beautific vision mm-hmm. of it's going to be amazing. It's going to be glossy. It's going to be, <laughs> I hate to say it, but just like, it's going to be like harvest. It's going to be like, Bill Hybels up in where at Chicago, it's going to be attractional. Everybody's going to love it. You know, it's going to go up and to the right. Yeah. And when the prophets, you know, the prophets that we were reading, Habakkuk and Jeremiah, nope, you're going to be hated. Mm. Nope, you're going to be persecuted. Mm. Actually, I'm going to let the Babylonians take you into exile. Mm. Actually, I'm going to let you be. I'm going to let ungodly nations overtake you for your own sin, (laughs) you know? I heard it said one time, God breaks idols, Mm -hmm. ours too. Mm -hmm. Like he's not just destroying the idols of the world that are outside pagan nations, Islamic idols and humanistic idols. He's gonna destroy idols in the church too. Yeah, yeah. And judgment starts in the house of God. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to prepare people to suffer. You know, there. I think for the last 20 years, there's been this... In one branch of the missional church, it's been, we can be cool for Jesus mm-hmm. and our church will grow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I'm just going to say it, like dressing certain ways, tattoos, maybe even smoking cigars, drinking beer. We're cool and, and, and God will, God still, and we're, we can grow. Mm. I think we might, I think we might be past that. Yeah. I think we might be past that right now where... 
our kids and ourselves even have to start expecting to be hated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and those 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 cool Christians who, oh yeah, now I can drink beer and now I can get a tattoo and now I can wear whatever clothes I want and now I can listen to secular music and they didn't, they don't know how to draw a line in the sand and yeah. now, and now I'm embracing homosexual homosexuality, now I'm embracing homosexual marriage, now I'm, I, I don't care what gender you are, it, they, they, they just have kept going and now they're just, they've just become like the world. Yeah. The yeah. salt has lost its saltiness, mm-hmm. you know? Where some of those things like, Tattoos and drinking and all those things. That, so that was all stuff that needed to happen. You know, it was kind of coming out of fundamentalism and coming out of stuff that wasn't biblical. But now you can't give up the Bible. You can't give yes. up what is biblical. Yes. You know? Kind of an overcorrection. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And it goes right along with what we've been talking about, this untethered sympathy and weaponized mm-hmm. compassion. It's, it's the same thing. We just, But we don't realize, but actually what's underneath that is we just want to be cool. Mm-hmm. We just really want to be liked. Yeah. We don't want to be weirdos. We don't want to be fundamentalists. Mm-hmm. And so now we're, we don't, we can't even hold to the fundamentals of our faith mm-hmm. because we're so afraid of being fundamentalists. So I was trying to, that's the weight piece, long-term vision. It's going to ebb and flow. We don't know what's going to happen in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the, the states might start succeeding from the union. Yeah. You know, like we le- legitimately could be in this place um, where we are even more persecuted for our faith. So, And that oh. kind of bridges the gap maybe to the the other piece that I felt was unique, the, the language of it, which is sticky, the county over country piece. Yeah. Can you talk about that more? Because I'm really, I feel like that, that does bring things home, but why why did you feel like that? needed to be said now. Yeah. Well, first off, from the very beginning of our church, we've been saying we're here to renew the city. Mm-hmm. That's a simple way of saying things. The problem is we live in the quad cities. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. We live in the quad cities. we got people out in Durant and out in these different places. So city language isn't always, it, wasn't, it didn't always work. Yeah. And then, you know, so I'm wanting to make a local. I'm wanting to make a local impact. For years, I've been reading Wendell Berry, and Wendell Berry is all about being local and having roots in a community and knowing your neighbors. And there's something about a place that we're meant to be shaped by the place, and we're meant to shape our place. We're not really meant to be nomadic people that just wander. We're meant mm-hmm. to put kind of put down roots. Yeah, and that's what community is. You know. Um, and so I haven't really known how to express all of this. And then, um, I was just thinking, and I, I don't know, like, I can't, I don't know when the last time, well, I, I, we know we're really divided as a country. Yeah. All of cable news, all, of, almost all political podcasts, almost all the stuff on Facebook and the internet and all this stuff. It's all trying to whip us up into fear and fury mm. over national issues. Yeah. Okay? Now, there, there are major national issues at stake that do affect us and that are important. But when you think about it, what can we do? Your post on Facebook, I'm just going to say, does nothing. Right. Right. It, do, it convinces no one. 
it, it might throw some, some meat to the people that already like you and it might cause other people to hate you. And there's sometimes you need to take a stand. I'm totally fine with that. But ultimately what we can do is we can vote, you know, every couple years, right? Presidency every four and then, you know, mm. all the other stuff every two or whatever. So really the majority of my news feed, and by news feed, I mean my news app on my phone and I mean my news feed on Facebook and, all the, and my Twitter feed, a majority of those things are obsessed with natural or with national issues. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Even though today I can do almost nothing. If, now, if I'm a senator, whatever, you know, that's, that's totally different. If you're in global politics or whatever, you're, if you're in, if you're studying uh, geopolitical issues and whatever in school, I get it. But for the average person, it gives us something to talk about on the front porch with our grandpa, mm-hmm. right? It, it gives us something to complain about. It stokes and fears in our heart and yet ultimately the goal of it all is to get us to vote a certain way yeah okay so what in the heck are we doing why are we wasting that much mental energy that much on on national issues when we live here yeah and then with this election let's just say like uh no matter how you voted this last election um iowa went uh, republican iowa went to Trump, and guess what? It didn't matter. Yeah. Did it? It didn't matter. And so ultimately that that's where I'm at. I'm like, okay, our we're in Iowa, we're in the Quad Cities. It doesn't really I hate to say it right now, but it doesn't really matter. Right. Right. But what does matter is who is our governor. What does matter is who is our mayor. What does matter is who's run in our district because those are the things that like that's what's determining if my kids are having to wear masks right now in schools that's what's determining um the you know if you know possible uh vaccine um passports and all these things it's not really the, the national stage it's the local stage right and what's determining how safe our city is there's nothing on the national stage right. it's our police it's our neighborhood watch groups in our neighborhood volunteer organizations. And so we all want our country to be more God-centered, but we can't make that happen. Yeah. Ultimately, though, maybe if we ignore that a little bit and we focus on our city, our county, we could actually, in the next 10, 20, 30 years, actually make a difference in this county. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And... And so, and I just don't see too many people saying that. I don't see, I don't hear that too often. And so, um, I think, I think it's a worthwhile endeavor. I think it's bigger than just city, but it's smaller than state even and smaller than country. And so, and county over country has got a good, good ring to it. I saw it. I saw that statement somewhere and, and then I just kept playing it over in my head, playing it over in my head, playing it over in my head. And said, "That's what I. That's what I want to do." Mm-hmm. And then, when you tag that into the multi generational piece, and you're you're trying to give your so in the second service yesterday, I didn't say this in the first service. Second service, I said we need to recover a theology of place. Yes, yes. Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, right. Saul of Tarsus. Right, like. 
these people were known for where they lived. They, they had been shaped by where they lived and they were gonna go on and shape where they lived. And we need to give our people and our children a theology of place. Like this is where we're from. We're Iowans. We're born and bred Iowans. We're putting down roots here. If you go off to college somewhere, the goal is we want you to come back and live here in this city so that you and your parents and your grandparents and your kids and your grand and the grandkids, we can get together on Saturday night and we can eat dinner as a family. And then we can worship at the same church yeah. and we can serve at this, you know, on and on and on. Yeah. And so then, then this idea of, you know, my kids are at Morningstar Academy. If my kids grow up and want to be teachers, I want them to teach at Morningstar. Mm-hmm. You know, I want them to give back to where, to where they came from yeah. and then to make it even better. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, I've poured, I'm pouring into my children because I want them to be better educated than me, more theologically accurate than me. I want them to be better culture shapers than me. And I don't want them to go to LA or New York to, to do that. Right. I want them to do it here in the Quad Cities. I remember you talking in the past about, it, it, it's like the, the great musician who's from the Quad Cities who moves away to Nashville to go make it in Nashville where what happens is is you're probably, if you're a good musician, you're probably a great musician in the Quad Cities who could actually do something here. And you go to Nashville and you're a really small fish in a really huge ocean of talent. Mm-hmm. And your impact that you're going to make there, maybe you'll brush shoulders with people, fight your way to the top. But what you can do here is going to make much more of an impact, um, not just for yourself, yeah. but the culture. <laughs> that reminds me, my son one time, like two or three years ago, we were going over, we had a dad date and we were going over his goals. I'm like, well, what do you want to be when, when you're older? You know, he's like, well, I want to be a Christian man. I was like, okay, good. That's cool. Well, that's great. I want you to be a Christian. What else? He's like, ah, one of the things he's like, I don't know. I think I want to be locally famous. <laughs> <laughs> Local. <laughs> yeah. He's like, in his mind though, he was like, you know, not like worldwide, not like Mr. Worldwide. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I think locally famous, that sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, that's a great point. And, and also, in today's day and age, maybe this, is, maybe this is true, maybe it's not true. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Joel. But with the internet and with YouTube, you don't have to move yep. to Nashville. Absolutely right. not. You can post. You, if, you're, if you're killing it, you post it on YouTube. Go viral. You go viral, boom, that's right. it. You know what I mean? You right. post your stuff on, you know, whatever, iTunes. You what, can what, do you, what do you think the why is, though? of why, like, our kids want to go somewhere else? Well, I think one is a vac- we've created a vacuum in our children. We haven't given a vacuum by, we've never taught them the value of place. Mm-hmm. And then we don't, and all, a lot of times when you live in a city, you live blind. What I mean by that is, I don't know how many people that I've talked to that have grown up in the Quad Cities, they've never been to Makokota Caves. Just went there. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> they've, never, they've never been at Wildcat Den. They've never been down to, you know, the, the Figgy Art Museum. Mm-hmm. They've never went and toured uh, John Deere. They've never went boating on the Mississippi or off the offshoots of the Mississippi. They've never went mountain biking around here. They've never done cool things in the Quad Cities. And so their kids grew up thinking that the Quad Cities is lame, okay? Mm-hmm. And then they don't know what huge opportunities actually are in the Quad Cities. The Quad Cities is the largest 400 or 500-mile market west of the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do anything in sales and business, Quad Cities is a 
killer place to be because you're, you know, you're two and a half hours to Chicago, you're a few hours to Milwaukee, you're a few hours, uh, you know, to Des Moines, you're a few hours to Kansas City, you're not too far from St. Louis, you're not too far from Minneapolis. We're right in the middle of all of that. Like we are a strategic hub just west of the, of the Mississippi that you can, and cost of living is incredibly low here. Yeah. So I take my kids to Chicago. Oh, this is our city. This is so cool. This is, I'm going to come up here and live. And I'm like, yeah, it is a cool place to visit. It's a great place to visit. Expensive to live. And then I went through all the negatives and they're like, yeah, I think I just, I think I like the quad cities. I just come up here on the weekends. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You know, we just get, we get the big city lights. It is fun to go to the big city. And it is, there's some cool things about living in the big city, but it, there's also some some major negatives. So mm-hmm. what I said yesterday is, when I was talking about the county overculture, the Quad Cities is big enough to be a strategic outpost for the gospel. So what I'm thinking is, mm-hmm. like when, in military terms, when we were taking over Iraq or Afghanistan and we're going in and and, and we're, you know, taking taking ground away from the Taliban, what they would do is they would create a strategic outpost. Um, away from their, their main operating base. And I think they call it a forward operating base. So they would go out and they would take this neighborhood, however, however big it was, or take this city, and they would kind of wall it off, and it would be a strategic outpost in enemy-held territory, right? And it was important if they're going to take everything else, they had to take this. I kind of think the Quad Cities is like that. It's mm-hmm. 400,000 people. It's the largest 500-mile market, you know, whatever, west of the Mississippi. It's big enough that if, if we can make a kingdom advancement here and, and kingdom impact here that it would mean something you know the devil would take a hit right in in our whole midwest area and yet it's small enough that it, maybe it's doable you know and it's not doable in our strength by any means but it's not like a chicago it's not like a new york where right. you're like yeah you know good luck yeah. right mm-hmm. and so that's kind of the the vision of the the county over country it's big enough to, to, to make a difference, and it's small enough that it, it might just be doable, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in, in 30 years. Yeah. I think that's good that, uh, I mean, you kind of explain the why, because at a, a company I used to work for is like you find the why, you're able to kind of be able to know what the, the real issues are so that we can be able to present them to our kids. And a lot of those places you named off, or majority of those places are free places, that you can go in and, you know, explore and do all these different things and be out in the city. Um, and I think a lot of people are, you know, once they become Christians, they kind of put themselves in a box. They stay in their houses. They don't do things and get out in the community. And I think um, some of those places that you named, that we can be out in the community. We can sure. go in different places. The other thing is God has been writing this story in me since I was like 20 years old because, well, actually, it's probably it's before that. Because I wanted to move to Iowa City. I wanted to go to the University of Iowa. I wanted to wrestle there. But I got I dislocated my elbow my last football game of the year. So that basically ruined my senior year of wrestling season. And so I ended up staying local, going to Augustana. <clears throat> and then when I got saved, my buddies that I got saved with, they were a bunch of influential dudes. <clears throat> and we all had gifts. And one guy was just a phenomenal musician. A couple guys were phenomenal musicians and different things really creative. I was more of the preacher, the leader guy. <clears throat> and they all felt called to go away to Bible colleges and to go to big cities and go to these big ministries and try to like 
jump on the wings of these big things. And I just felt like I was called to stay put. I didn't yeah. know why. I was kind of ticked about it. I was ca- called to stay put in the Quad Cities. And then <clears throat> I was a home builder and I wanted to do like, I wanted to do what stuff that the Quad City had never seen. I wanted to do modern, contemporary homes that no one was doing. We were doing concrete countertops, a lot of stainless steel, a lot of things like that. This is 20 years ago. And so from the get-go, I had this mentality of, let's just do it here. Right. What, whatever those, what makes those big cities cool, let's do that here. Right. Like, oh, yeah, we need a sushi place. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we need a local bakery. Yeah, yeah we need better coffee shops. Yeah. Well, why don't we just make it here? Instead of, and I've been trying to teach my kids this idea of, you know, when they're bored, their natural temptation is to go, um, you know, feast on somebody else's creativity and use somebody else's imagination. Well, that's what most of us want to do. We're consumers of culture. We want to go to Chicago and just consume. And we're, we don't have the initiative, the vision, the creativity, the leadership, the know-how, the gumption, whatever you want to call it, the guts to actually be creators of culture here. So start the coffee. Like I've, I, you know, probably 15 years ago, I started a coffee shop in downtown Rock Island. You know, like we don't have any good coffee shops. Let's start one. We started one. I was bringing the, all the beans in from Costa Rica. I met a guy on a mission trip. But so now when I look at the Quad Cities now compared to 20 years ago, I see, all, I see us doing a lot. There's a lot of cool things. You know, we've, we've got a... a cool cigar shop, a couple cigar shops. We've got some great coffee shops. Some of the, literally, I would say some of the best coffee in the country at, at, at 392 mm-hmm. specifically. And I love this guy, uh, local and everything. And so we get, we're getting some good restaurants in. Yeah. We're not like the big city, but l- let's make it here. Let's raise mm-hmm. our kids to actually invest here in the quad cities and bring some of that, that good culture here. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so as you were preaching, I was reminded of um, the book Dynamics of a Spiritual Life. It's a book about renewal and how that happens. And I think what, what can happen in our minds when we think about God, just the gospel and being a good gospel-centered church, and I think we have a lot of those pieces, I, praise God. But this renewing the city piece, in the book he's talking about how stuff like the Reformation one thing that you'll see if you, if you see renewal things happen in churches, it's always, there's always a cultural piece. There's always a piece that's, that impacts the, the people that are surrounding wherever that renewal is taking place. And that's a little bit what I hear you saying is we need that, we need that gospel renewal piece to happen in us as people and in our families, but it's going to have a further reach out into our County, into yeah. our neighborhood, into our city. Um, and that's not disconnected from the gospel. We want to, we kind of want to write that off as like, well, that's just getting into, getting into the weeds. And it's like, no, that's actually, I think how renewals happen or those, those are consistent patterns within renewals. Yeah. So when I'm talking about like, you know, killer coffee shops, think about what a coffee shop is. Not only is it taking, um, the things that God's given us and cultivating them, coffee, water, all these things and, and producing a a great product, right? That we can enjoy and literally drink coffee to the glory of God. But it also creates a unique third place in our city where people that worship God and people that don't worship God can gather in the same 
building. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can have conversation. It's, a, it's Many of them are built around co- having conversations. Sacred City, in one sense, was like founded in Dunn Brothers. Because Dunn Brother was like, Dunn Brothers was like a mile from my house. And so I would do fight, we would do fight clubs there. We would do all kind of stuff there. And people came to faith there, and people, you know, our, people that come to our church were, are at our at our church work there. And I met some people for the first time that were working there that now are members of our church. And so it just it just creates an opportunity. So if a Christian is doing that, they can do it from a gospel centered perspective. You know, they can mm-hmm. do it to foster um, gospel renewal in in their city and in in people's lives, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And and that's not just a coffee shop, but you can go on and on to, you know, all kinds of yes. different avenues throughout our city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how would you <clears throat> counsel the person who hears this and says, all right, yeah, I want to do that. Um, next steps. Well, the next step is what do you, like, you want to do that. Okay. How are you gifted? Mm. What are, what do you mean by that? When I think of, when I look at times of gospel renewal and times of reformation, just I can't wait to talk. And this fall, we're going to be looking at the five solas of Scripture when we talk about uh, the Reformation a little bit. The Reformation happened not just because they started, they recovered the gospel and they started preaching the gospel, but they became a renewal movement mm-hmm. that were publishing books, yeah. putting thing, putting things in people's hands. Uh, they had a reformation of worship and music. They had a reformation of politics. They were involved in the city square, and uh, and uh, you know the the reform. I know uh, Wilberforce. When Wilberforce, who basically was a member of Par- British Parliament, ended ended the ended the slave trade, he his he gave his life um, to ending the slave trade, trade ending the slave trade, slave trade, <laughs> and. The reformation of morals. That's what that's what he called it. The reformation of morals, mm. which meant which means really a return to the law of God, a return of to to biblical ethics. And every time you've seen these huge reformation movements, um, you've you've got like culture making as a key piece to it. You know, through the whatever is the printing or music or art or um, making things. You know, reforming politics. And so that's, so, so what, what, okay, you want to do this in what vein, mm-hmm. in what avenue? Are you an artist? Um, are you what? Are you, a, uh, you want to start a nonprofit? Mm-hmm. You know, someone says like, you find out your vein where your uh, passion and the world's deep need meet. Yeah, right. that's great. You know, mm-hmm. and so what is it that you're passionate about? Are you passionate about writing children's books? You know, okay, let's do this. Let's, let's do that. You know, from a Christian worldview, let's do that. And this is what I'm teaching my kids. It doesn't mean Jesus has to be every, in every single song or every single line of every single book, but you need to be operating from a Christian, Christian worldview where evil loses and, you know, Mm -hmm. good wins. And you know what I mean? So that's, you know, that's, that's what I'd say. Usually starts for most kids getting a good education, good gospel-centered, God-centered education, and then finding out how the Lord has, has wired you, finding out what you're passionate about, and then leveraging that thing 
for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And I think too, like you like you were saying, just like finding that passion. And I think we have to, like you were saying earlier, just put the phones down and not trying to live through other people. Um, because a lot of times when we're doing that, like we can't even see what God has blessed us with, what skill, what gift, and what talent that we have because we're trying to, you know, live through someone else or we're watching someone else live life through YouTube or whatever it is. And God has blessed you with something, but at the same time, you don't even have time to pray, to yeah. meditate, and to spend time with God to be able to see what that is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. I think one of the main reasons that the church hasn't produced good culture is because we've just we're lazy passive consumers of culture yeah. we, we watch every Netflix show that comes out instead of you know wanting to to create our, create our own create yeah. something create something good mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> uh, whatever that may be mm-hmm. so <clears throat> alright so how'd you guys think the I mean how'd you think it how'd you think the sermon landed how'd you think it came off and I don't know if it was just because you're being realistic about it. There wasn't a lot of like hooting and hollering from the crowd, you know, not, not a lot of like amens, but I think there was a lot of, at least from myself and some people around me, just like some, mm, like, that's right. Like reflecting for, for me, what it was producing was it was getting my gospel imagination going. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I, I was walking away from was uh, it was after you shared, you know, just the specific gospel piece about Jesus coming down and moving into the neighborhood, however you put that. Um, it was this idea of like, maybe I'm just like waiting for somebody's permission to like do something. Mm. Um, instead of seeing the gospel gives me permission to pursue God's glory mm-hmm. with everything that I have. And I don't, I don't, you know, some of it's the laziness, some of it's just the consuming piece, but a lot of it is just the, I'm just waiting for someone to be like, give me permission. It's like God has given you in the gospel, the permission to go live for his glory, to do things that are, you know, ask of him big things and fail forward and uh, see what he does with it. Um, so that's, that's what it, I was left with just mm-hmm. some good gospel imagination and yeah, motivation there. Mm. And I think too, you just, um, it was very pastoral. It was a, a lot of great information. Um, but I think you just like really helped us slow down the pace to be able to visualize what is also in the text, you know, how you were breaking that down and just kind of waiting, worshiping, but then you also have a part to play and we have to get to work, you know. And I think that was just really good for me to be able to focus on. Um, and I also just had a lot of people, you know, from my MC just talking after the service and was just like that was a lot of good stuff pointing us what the next 10 years are going to be. And the thing about it is we're not a church that is a, a mega church that has the smoke and mirrors and all that stuff. But at the same time, we're going to we're going to stick to the foundation and we're going to be anchored into Christ. And if it's waiting and it's worshiping and working, that's what it's going to be. So, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, um, yeah, you didn't listen to the sermon. Go back and listen to it. If you got any questions, please email me at Justin Dean at sacredcitychurch.com. We hope this was a blessing to you. We love you and we will see you soon. God bless. <laughs>